Father, in the age and time in which we live, we find it very difficult just to be still, to quiet our minds and our hearts, our souls, just for you to reveal yourself to us. But Lord, today here in this place, you've led us into your presence in a very tangible and a very real way. Father, we thank you that you alone are God. And there is no other God besides you. And we thank you for your love for us. That you sent your son to die for us. And to give us full access to your presence. That we did not have to, we do not have to walk this world alone as orphans, but that you have promised to be with us always, even to the ends of the earth. And you have promised that nowhere where we may lay our heads can we escape your presence. You will always seek after us. So Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today that, Lord, we can stand in awe of your presence. Father, continue just to reveal yourself to us. Touch us, God. Be the lion of the tribe of Judah around this place today and around our hearts. Be mighty, be strong. Be the God that we know that you are. Convict our hearts. But fill us right back up in your peace, in your mercy, in your love, and your grace. And empower us today with your Holy Spirit that we might declare your wondrous works to the world we might be the bride that you are seeking for without spot and without blemish, all because of the blood of your son Jesus, the Lamb of God. Father, we just stand in awe of who you are today. And we thank you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus 34 verse 20 and I promise you that if you're the eager beaver reading along on the screen that it will all make sense in the end I promise okay it starts off weird but you know it's the Old Testament sometimes it just does that I don't have any great theological insight to that but it just starts off weird Exodus 34 verse 20 hear the word of the Lord 
Now, Moses is talking with God, and God's giving him the law, and listen to what the Lord says. But the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. Aren't you glad the title of the sermon isn't break his neck? And the firstborn of all your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. And none shall appear before me empty-handed. Now, as a father of five children, I can tell you one thing that I know for absolute certain. It does get a little better as your children get older, but I'm just telling you, if you take them to Walmart, and whether intentionally or unintentionally, you go to the toy aisle, your child is going to ask you for something. Amen? And if you say, well, I'll think about it, which in my house means no, okay, they will begin to beg you for everything on every aisle until you get down to the dollar spot and you can finally just give in. You say, okay, one dollar, I'll do it. But as a parent, you all know you don't really want to do the one dollar, right? Okay? But you give in because they keep begging. But they come to you in the middle of Walmart or Target or wherever you are. It can be the grocery store. It could be the gas station. When we travel, I hate for them to come in and go to the bathroom. The gas station is a $40 stop just for snacks. I don't understand it. You got snacks in the car. Okay, I'm not alone. We've all been, we've all suffered this. As parents, but our children come to us at the store empty-handed, wanting a blessing. They're wanting something for nothing. Now, we as parents, many times we just give in and we give them something for nothing just because we love them. But as I read our text this week, I began to be convicted when the Lord said, and none shall come before me empty-handed. Because how many times have I treated the Heavenly Father like my children treat me at Walmart or I treated my parents at Walmart? We're all guilty of it. How many times have I come before God empty-handed? Wanting a blessing, but offering nothing in return. Yet the Father says to us that we should not appear before him empty-handed. Folks, I struggled with this. You know, I'm in that car all day. Believe me, I pray a lot about them dumb drivers. And sometimes about my driving and going, oh, keep your mouth shut, Lauren. All right? Do a lot of praying. 
But do in the midst of that prayer, am I offering something to God? When I come before the word to read the word and study the word, did I come offering something to God? Or did I come and say, God, just feed me, but I didn't offer him anything. You see, the church, we have a a really skewed sense of what offering really is. For in the Jewish culture of the time, sacrifice and offering was a means of worship for the Jewish culture. It is exactly how they worshiped. When they came to the temple, they were to bring something with them. They didn't come around picking up an offering plate or an offering wagon and going, okay, give me your first fruits. Come on, give it to me. They didn't come around doing that. It was understood that if God blessed you in the produce of your field, then you were going to take the first fruits of that, meaning the very best that you had, and you were going to bring it to God and present it to the priest for them to make the sacrifice. It was your offering, but the priest made the sacrifice. That'll make sense later. If God blessed you uh, with your livestock, you were to bring the first of the livestock, the very best. In fact, if you looked at the design of the temple, this really rocked my world when I really looked at the design of the temple. Because there's that verse that says, you shall enter by the north gate and exit by the south gate. And if you come in by the east gate, you shall exit by the west gate. And I began to think one day, well, why is that so important? And the sermon for that is easy. If you walk into his presence, you got to walk out different. But guess what? But guess what? It's more to it than that. Because sitting in the very middle was the altar of sacrifice. You couldn't come into God's presence unless you passed the altar of sacrifice. You had to bring something. And if you forgot and you got halfway in, you were going to remember what you had to do when you got there. And you had to bring something to leave there. It wasn't just about leaving different than what you came in. It was about coming in with something, offering it to the Lord, and walking out someone totally different. That was the whole design of Jewish cultures, that the sacrifice was a part of who they were. It was how they worshiped. Remember when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into into the city? What did he do? Every six steps, he made a sacrifice. I just want you all to think about that. I mean, number one, it's gross. Okay, if you think how many animals David sacrificed on that journey, watch this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Going to kill an animal. And then he's going to take six more steps, and he's going to do it again, and again, and again. Why? Because it was a part of their worship. It was their lifestyle. And if the Ark of the Covenant was going to come in, the very presence of God, it required sacrifice to go before it. And so the sacrifice had to be made. 
And so there's all types of sacrifices. There were sacrifices. There was a peace offering. There was a praise offering. There was a thanksgiving offering. There were all kinds of offerings that were made. And, and they made once a year, they made the, the offering of atonement where the sins of the people would be forgiven. And, and when Jesus comes into the scene, he fulfilled that requirement of the blood offering for the atonement of our sins for all creation from from here on out, Jesus came and he paid the price and he was a sacrifice for our sins and gave us full access to his presence for all eternity. But oftentimes in the church, we believe well, that did away with the idea of sacrifices for the church. But guess what? You begin reading Acts and what happens? They sold all that they had and they brought the proceeds and they laid it at the feet of the apostles to give out for the good of all. The early church didn't get away from the sacrifice. It just looked different. It wasn't an animal they had to sacrifice. They had to sacrifice things that were important to them, things that, that held them, things that they held on to. And then Paul writes and tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I want you to hear it today from the Passion Translation. And if you've never read it, I just encourage you to read it. It's just, I love what it says. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says this, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? That's a good question. Paul answers, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. That's just Paul's right there. Living sacrifices. Living means it's ongoing. Living means that there is life in it. And if we're going to offer sacrifices, what Paul is telling us here is that it's supposed to be something we continually do. It's an ongoing act of worship in our lives to give a sacrifice, to give an offering to the Lord. Now listen to what it goes on. And live, it says, surrender yourselves to God, be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness in other words, being an ongoing sacrifice for God is the very key, is a key to living in holiness. Experiencing all the delights of his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Worship has always involved sacrifice. Verse 2, stop intimidating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So if we understand that sacrifice is a means of worship, both in the Old Testament and now in the New Testament church, the big question then is, God, what do we sacrifice? What do we offer to you? If you no longer require us to make a, 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 you know, a, a grain offering or, or a blood offering, then what is it that you need from us? It's those things that have a hold on us. 
It's those things that we value and hold dear because you see, a sacrifice costs you something. And we don't like talking about that because we like to say, well, salvation is free. And you're absolutely right, it is free. But here's the deal discipleship is not. Holiness is not free. Holiness will cost us something. It will require a sacrifice on our parts. We cannot be holy as he is holy unless we're willing to make a sacrifice. He died on the cross and sacrificed himself. Who are we to think that we shouldn't sacrifice? We should offer our money to God. One of my mentors spoke at a conference, and, and I questioned him on this afterwards. He goes, in his offering speech, he goes, okay, I want everybody to give and give big. And I was in the pew and I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Oh my gosh. I mean, the theology of that statement in the moment really rocked my world. And I said, all right, you got to explain it to me because I don't think I agree with you. And he and I had those conversations. I always ended up agreeing with him, but he goes, well, your $2 may be big, just as big as somebody's 2000 So whenever you give to the Lord, give and give big. He said, and we're all able to do it. And I went, huh, that makes sense. You see, God invites us to give a tenth of our income. But that's just the beginning that's the requirement. But that's not the offering. The offering is above and beyond. The offering is what you give above the 10%. That's what the offering is. And I love this statement. And I'll, yeah, I'll give credit to him. My dad said this. He goes, he's here. You know, like, this, what do you do? He goes, God doesn't have, a, have your heart until he has your wallet. There's truth in that. Because if you're not willing to give all that you have to the kingdom of God, then does he really have your heart? Because what you and I have is not our own, it's his anyway. God calls us to make a sacrifice of our time. Being here is the minimum sacrifice. Some believe an hour on Sunday mornings is just enough of a sacrifice for God. But I'll tell you this, if I only gave my wife one hour of attention a day, a week, how kind of a relationship do you think we would really have? It wouldn't amount to much, would it? And yet that's the way we treat our God. You know, working the uh, Sumner County missions is a requirement of time. The last time we were here, it was cold. Oh, my gosh. In the first 30 minutes, I thought, we're never going to make it. I looked at my watch, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we've only been here 30 minutes, and my toes are about to be frostbit, you know? But then the next time I looked at my watch, Pastor Eric comes by, all right, we're done. And I'm like, no, it ain't. Oh, it is 2 o'clock. That's a sacrifice of our time. But I promise you this with that one, 
you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. God still requires of us a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When was the last time you gave God thanks? When was the last time you gave God praise? Like a sacrifice of praise. You know? Now, I, I, I'm going to be nice. This is my nice some of us praise God like this. 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 And then some of us get all wild and crazy with it. But now let me be honest with you. I can be a real reserved person. There's just sometimes it just wells up inside of you and you've got to let out a sacrifice of praise that's going to cost you your reputation, that's going to cost you what people think about you. I'm not kidding you. I've been listening to sermons in that car trying to stay awake with clients in the back and boy, they make a point. Next thing I know, I go, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. And I'm like, oh, I'm driving. You know, they're just moments when it comes over you. But your praise ought to cost you something. It may make you look like a fool. It ought to make us uncomfortable when we praise because of how great our God and the great things God has done for us. But you know what? All these are the things you expected me to say when you talk about making a sacrifice. Let's go a little deeper. Put your still toe shoes on. We also need to make a sacrifice of some unredeemed part of our life. The sin stuff we like to hold on to. Are you with me? So I'll put myself on the chopping block. Can I do that? Okay, this means yes, that means no. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Samira. I hate it when God does this some days. You're writing a sermon and, man, he gets you. I'm driving down the road. Well, you know, I really can't preach this sermon if I'm not willing to do give something up to you. Say, okay, God, uh, I give up those things, Lord, that, uh, um, yeah, um, when I get too upset with my children, I sacrifice that today. And no joke, I'm turning the corner. And the Lord goes, what about your stubbornness? I'm like, God, stubbornness is what made me who I am. My parents call it determination. Why would you want me to give up that? You gave it to me. It's in my DNA. Didn't you make it? And he goes, Sacrifice your stubbornness. Fine. Okay, God, you got it. But Lord, it's going to be hard. It's going to cost me a lot. I'm going to have to keep my mouth closed and not have an opinion. 
I'm going to have to do what somebody else says, either I don't like it or not. But okay, God, stubbornness. I'll give it to you today. But we might have to do it every hour. <laughs> kind of proud of my stubbornness. I'm going to be honest with you. It gives me the grit I need in this life. But it doesn't honor God. Because it's a trust in my power and not God's power. What about those unforgiveness places in your life? Can you sacrifice that to the Lord? What about hatred? What about lust? What about rejection? Here's a good one. What about rebellion? Let's let that one sink in in a moment. We all like to say there's no part of rebellion in us, but come on. We all got it. And if you're the least little bit stubborn, I can guarantee you there is rebellion in you. What about the lack of the fruit of the Spirit? When was the last time you did a patience check? When was the last time you did a, a love check? For people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't talk like you. When was the last time you did those things? God calls us to make a sacrifice. A sacrifice of the ideals and opinions of the culture around us. It has invaded us. The culture has invaded the church when the church should have invaded the culture. That means we need to make a sacrifice of some of those ideals some of those opinions of the world that is around us. But here's the even bigger question, not just what should we offer, because if we're still enough, the Holy Spirit will tell us. But the real reason is why do we have to make this offering? Why do we need to make this sacrifice? Remember I told you that the people brought the offering, but the priests made the sacrifice? You see, listen to, to 1 Peter 2, 9. It says this, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Understand that the people brought the offering, but the priests made the sacrifice. And you got to understand in the, in the holy garments, they put a crown on their heads and the inscription around the crown said this, holiness unto the Lord. It was their job as priests to be the reflection of holiness to the Lord. If we're going to transform our minds, we have to remember that you and I are priests of the kingdom of God called to make sacrifices because we are holiness unto the Lord. And if we see our role as that priest, then we understand that as we are holiness to the Lord, we are the reflection of Christ in this world. We are the reflection of his glory of his majesty of his power and of his love when we understand that 
then we have to and we must broadcast the glories and power and the mighty acts of God wherever we go. And when we think that God is in search of a bride without spot or without blemish, he's looking for priests who are willing to make the sacrifice to be holiness unto the Lord, to live a holy life before God and before one another, to daily be a living sacrifice, to lay down those things in our lives that do not glorify him so that when the world begins to see us, they begin to see the holiness of God, that we are the holiness unto the Lord our God. We are called to be a living sacrifice because we are priests in the kingdom of God. Every one of us have been called. Every one of us has been anointed to declare the works of Almighty God. And we do not have an excuse. There's not an escape route. We must proclaim it. But if we're not willing to make a sacrifice, we'll never be the bride without spot or without blemish that reflects the glory of God in this world. It requires something of us. It's not always warm fuzzies and feeling good. It's not always about receiving the blessings. But I know this, that the more I give up and the more I sacrifice for God, the more he's going to pour out in my life. It's not without reward. But are you willing to make the sacrifice? I believe I said it last time. I believe there's a great revival about to break out in our nation and in our world. But if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and repent of their sins, then I will hear from heaven. And then I will heal their land. It's called sacrifice. It's called sacrifice. It's still a part of our worship. And it must be an essential part of our worship. I've been convicted all week that when I went to the Lord in prayer, God, what can I offer you today? we open the word, we should say, God, what can I offer you today? When we walk into a house of worship, we should say, God, what can I offer you today? When we meet one-on-one as Christian brothers and sisters, we carry the presence of God with us. When we meet together, we should think in our minds, God, what can I offer you in this moment? A living, ongoing, continual sacrifice to the Lord. What are you willing to sacrifice as a priest to be holiness unto the Lord? What will you sacrifice so that the presence, power, grace, Mercy and love of Jesus, the anointed one, is displayed more and more in your life. What will you sacrifice? What will you lay down? 
Will you come with a sacrifice? Every time you come before him. Or will you come empty-handed? Just wanting a blessing. Are your toes okay? Because that's a hard word. But one, if we will truly follow one that will lead to blessings that are beyond anything we can ever ask or imagine. And the real reality is, as believers in Christ, as priests of the kingdom of God, we have received the greatest blessings of our lives is our salvation by Christ's death on the cross. I heard Dr. Ed Young this morning, he talked about the cross, the power of the cross. It was foolishness to the Greeks. Worst death known in all of the history of the world was the crucifixion. And Jesus had the power to come off the cross, but chose to make the sacrifice anyway. Why would we not choose to sacrifice for a God that loves us that much? So I ask you today, did you come empty-handed or did you come prepared to make a sacrifice unto God? Rich, if you would come and just, I call it doodle in the background. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to take just a moment to be silent before God and ask that audacious, difficult question. And if he says stubbornness, you know what you got to do. Don't be stubborn about it. And what we're going to do is we're going to make an offering to the Lord. Now, I need to forewarn you. If you have heard the Lord said you did not give enough in the offering for church today, Pastor Eric and I expect that you're going to put more in the offering plate. The Bible doesn't have anything wrong with taking up two offerings. All right? Spoken like a good preacher, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm helping you out, brother. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to put your hands out, kind of cup them. And ask the Lord what you need to sacrifice to him today. And after a moment of, of silence as you're asking the Lord that, then I want to pray and what I'm going to have you do is, is lift your hands up and just say, God, it's yours. And then when you put your hands down, don't put them back down, palms up. Because that just shows you want it back. You didn't really give it up. Because when it's out of your hands, you turn your hands over because you don't want to reach out for it again. This is just a visual, but it helps. So let's take a moment of silence and ask the Lord, what should I sacrifice? What do you want me to sacrifice today?
with our sacrifices in our hands. Father, you know those things that we need to sacrifice to you today. Forgive us for holding on to them like they were ours. Forgive us for the sins we've held on to. Forgive us for the possessions we've held on to. Forgive us, Lord. But now, Father, we choose that as we've come before you today, now we lift our hands and we offer it back to you. And we declare that it was yours and not ours. And we release it to you with palms up. And we return our hands to ourselves with our palms down. Knowing that you picked it up with your righteous and victorious right hand. Now, Lord, fill us with your grace, your mercy, and your peace. Fill us and fill that spot with the power of your Holy Spirit that we may never pick it up again. Oh, Father, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill the holes. Do your work that we may be holiness unto the Lord our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And I want to close with this statement. Remember, you are a born again, a spirit-filled child of the King. There is no higher honor. Go forth and proclaim. Go forth and broadcast the glorious mercies of the Lord your God. Amen.